After 10 weeks in Tanzania, part of that time spent at a Mennonite theological college, I was still trying to grasp this foreign church. Frustrated with the lack of dialogue about what I grew up thinking defined Mennonites, uh, the three Ps, Peace, Potlucks, and Prairie Home Companion, I finally asked one of my good Tanzanian friends, so what is it in the Mennonites here that define them as different than other Christian denominations? He didn't even pause. Oh, it's in the way they dance. They move their heads more while singing in the choir. It's moments like this that cause you to step outside yourself and see a little of the ironic hilarity of our lives. When you are so set on your opinion, so ready to shoot back your own theologically sound and self-righteous response, and the other person gives you an answer so unlike what you were expecting, and you're struck, mouth open and gaping, that's when you realize you've got some self-examining to do. Well, that was me. And the remainder of my time in Tanzania, I started to explore some of these concepts and cultural assumptions I brought to the word Mennonite. I found that I associated Mennonites with certain things that are purely culturally based. While peace as a concept is not cultural, the Tanzanian church does not have the conscientious objector history that often brings about this specific dialogue, nor are its leaders engaged in any war. Tanzania gained its independence relatively recently and peacefully. Therefore, it is a different kind of church with different issues. And potlucks and prairie home companion? Well, let's just say steaming hot casseroles don't mesh very well with Tanzanian public transportation system. <laughs> I was struck once again. I have a firm belief that God likes to keep us on our toes. When speaking over tea with Fred Okello, a friend and teacher at the college, Fred proceeded to tell me of another problem facing the perception of the Mennonite church in Tanzania and Kenya. He said many in the population were getting a distorted view of the church through its name. You see, Meno means teeth in Swahili. So some people had started to think Meno night or teeth in the night, which really sounds like some sort of weird cult. I'm sure Meno Simons would have found it rather funny. But how many times had I, as a North American Mennonite, thought about how the word of my denomination sounded in other languages? Not much. What does it mean for a denomination to be tied to a specific language or culture? In Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were people from all over. The number of various cultures and beliefs and preferences for worship were enough to give any worship leader a migraine. They couldn't even speak the same language. Talk about chaos. I can just see one of the guys from Mesopotamia turning to a guy from Cappadocia, asking for the restroom, only to have him respond with, very well, thank you. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rushing of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. They began to speak, and the crowd gathered was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in their own native tongue. And the guy from Cappadocia turned them to the Mesopotamian and exclaimed, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Imekuaje basi sisi kusikia kila umtu lugayetu tulio zaliwanayo. 
In our own languages and through our own cultures, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. This story, in many ways, is the reversal of the Genesis account of the Tower of Babel. Humans tried to build a tower out of arrogance and pride. God confused their languages, and the project could not be completed. Just go to a place where you do not speak the language very well or at all, and you learn very quickly what a key component language is in getting anything accomplished. So what does it mean for a global church filled with many languages and styles of worship? What does culture have to do with finding God? Where and how can we connect with God in cultures outside of our own? And when I say cultures outside of our own, I'm not just talking about places outside of this country. Too often, we think we have to get on a plane and fly thousands of miles to experience another culture. If a person from this congregation were to go to, say, St. Mary's Roman Catholic, Brightside Baptist, or the worship center for a service some morning, they might experience some of the same culture shock that I did. Even within the Tanzanian Mennonite church, I witnessed a variety of worship styles. The life of Jesus happened at a certain time, place, and culture, but the heart of the gospel is not culturally bound. Yet, there is really no way to separate ourselves and our beliefs from what we know and have experienced. We see the world through cultural lenses. That is nothing to be ashamed about. There are certain preferences we all have in worship. The place we feel closest to God could be completely different than the person sitting next to us. And that's okay. I prefer songs interspersed through the service and handing an offering plate around. My Lancaster friend prefers to have all the songs together in a worship time, and my Tanzanian friend likes to dance her offering up to the front. I find I connect with God in a different place than many of my sisters and brothers. That's okay. The danger comes when we start equating God with those connection points, because then our God becomes a different God than the person sitting next to us. And when we start believing that we can only find God within the culture and connection points that we are familiar with, we lose a wealth of wisdom and people. I think it is important that we as a church look at the way we worship and why. Why do we pass the collection plate around? Why do we have bulletins? Why do more people sit on this side than on that side? Why do we have separate finances between families? Why is the sermon generally 20 minutes? Wait. Why do we have a sermon? Why is there only one person praying out loud at a time? You might have ready answers for many of these questions, but how many of them come down to our belief in the gospel, and how many are just cultural preferences? Cultural preferences are not bad things, as long as we recognize them for what they are, preferences. It is within this body of believers that really good stuff can happen. These are the things that help us relate to God and to each other. And realistically, there is no one way of worshiping that can have everyone perfectly connected and engaged. Maybe the time in Acts, where everyone came together, was the closest. As long as we understand that the way we worship is tied to our specific subculture, it is a lot easier to change those things as new people enter our midst and bring different ideas. And if the heart of our time together is based off of our shared communion in Christ, the way we worship begins to look a little less important. To quote Lindford last week, just being together may be more important than we realize. And hey, who knows, maybe someday Tanzanian Mennonites will teach American Mennonites how to dance. <laughs>